Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast, where we are talking all about the Miami Dolphins defense today. But before I get into any of that, not only is Merrick joining us today, but the old fart just celebrated a birthday. So my friend Merrick, how'd it go? How you feeling? Uh, where's the cane? I can't see the cane on the camera. You got that hiding behind you? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's here. I mean, I'm sitting down, so so I don't need it just yet. Uh, but yeah, I did. I did celebrate a birthday. I'm, I'm 37 years old. First time, uh, you know, podcasting with y'all on odyssey it's it's my first odyssey on odyssey so uh i'm with you guys as the old man of the bunch at least for a few more months until josh houts joins me in the 37 club um but he doesn't have as much gray in his beard as i do at least from this camera situation i'm not quite sure trying to zoom in here how many got i got like a dozen in here so are you drinking prune juice out of that water bottle too i had to ask oh you're asking me this is actually some creatine not the mexican variety but just regular old fruit punch. That's always when I would uh, drink that stuff before going to the gym, I'd always come out of the gym and my car would always smell like creatine. And I think when I come out of the gym now, it still does. It's just one of those smells. It doesn't taste bad, but that smell is just so reach a point where it's so unbearable. I can't do it. Yeah. I don't, uh, I mean like a buddy of mine, I used to take it when I was younger and I was really big into the bodybuilding, but you know, as we've established, I'm older now, and and I don't lift as heavy as I used to based on uh, various injuries I've had in the past. But one of my buddies was like, yo, you got to get back on that creatine, dude. You got to do the creatine. You know, you'll see added benefits, not just not just for muscles, but for brain health and yada, yada, yada. So anyways, you tuned in for Dolphins news, but now you just got your fitness news as well. So this is your one-stop shop for all things dude stuff. And here's my ad read for how eating this raw beer, uh, bear gut is going to improve your own gut health. So we should start eating these on the spot. <laughs> but to bring it back in, Joshua, first of all, hello. It's nice to see you. But Hi. you got, you, you're so low key about everything you do. And then you can just throw out these curveballs. You've been playing the Madden Alpha, Beta, beta. Gamma, Zeta, Beta. beta. Yeah. beta. Either way. You got the beta. I think you even got some codes to hand out to a few people that you got to spread around the love a little bit. But, man, I oh, read your story. Thanks for that, Josh. Appreciate it. Well, okay, <laughs> it's not on Nintendo 64, all right? There's no way you have anything <laughs> to do Yeah, I, I was calling myself Beta Claws because I normally have a guy that hooks me up with, like, a code here or there. And he's like, just take these and don't tell anybody and just hand them out randomly. So, I, I'm sorry, Merrick. That's my bad. It's it's really just the same <laughs> damn game. Um but uh, the Dolphins, they look pretty nice, and uh, they looked even better when I traded for Dalvin Cook. I think we talked about another pod, ooh, Jake. I ooh. gave up, like, two first, Cedric Wilson. Um, you had to do so much crazy shit to get his 93 overall, um, that running back on your roster. So, thankfully, if the Dolphins do go that Dalvin Cook route, they won't have to trade all those picks because it, it took a lot to get him on the Dolphins. You know, you mentioned it the same game. Can I get a quick vibe check on how you feel about the game, if you're looking forward to it or if it's kind of that broken record? Yeah, I mean, I'm a sicko, so every year I kind of, around this time, I get super stoked because it's madding because football's starting up, and then I, you know, play it for a month or so and kind of throw it to the side. So um, I, I want to say it's kind of the same thing. If people that play franchise, you're not going to see a ton of new things because I know that's what everyone still wants, everything from those 2K games to come back in time. And uh, But they added the mini games back, which I know that we've all, anybody that's played Madden, you know, sat there and grinded those running back 
uh, challenges and things like that. So I do think it's improved. The run game's better. The offensive line actually, you know, plays like the offensive line. You'll see them get to the second level, things like that. Um, they improve little things here and there, but it does feel like the same old Madden and um, them adding mini games, you know, 10 years later and saying it's a new feature just seems like uh, so on par with Madden. So if you're a sicko like me, you like the football obsessed with the Dolphins it's probably worth buying just to have that stack team but overall it's the same game so don't waste your money maybe don't waste your money maybe that's a nice sales pitch put right that quote like that. right there yeah. don't waste don't waste your money maybe that 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 maybe but all right gentlemen today I thought it'd be fun to dive into the defensive side of the football obviously everyone loves what Mike McDaniel and that offense is putting together but Guys, the Dolphins just signed Vic Fangio this offseason to be the highest paid defensive coordinator in the NFL I think, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're paid that much money, you think the defense is going to be pretty good. There's a reason you're paying someone to be the highest paid defensive coordinator in the league. So guys, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of look at what the Miami Dolphins are building on the defensive side of the football and how switching from Josh Boyer's engage a mad scientist, no ice heavy on the YOLO defense to a more conservative uh, um instinctual type defense that Vic Fangio is going to be running. So we're going to go through some players and, and kind of look at how they're going to look different this year, working in that Vic Fangio three, four scheme compared to a heavy man, four, three defensive front. So Merrick, I want to start with you. Let, let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Bradley Chubb and what he can do after he had what eight games in Miami's first season. That was kind of derailed by injuries a little bit, but otherwise, I mean, I, I think he was pretty much what you, uh, you, you got what you asked for when you traded for Bradley Chubb. Yeah, maybe even got what you expected with the injury aspect of that. Uh, I was uh, going through some stats earlier this morning, and dude has trouble staying healthy. I don't know if he's actually played a full uh, 16 or 17 game season since his rookie year, actually. Yeah, actually, I got the stats up right now, um, and the last time he played a full season was his rookie year in 2018. And believe it or not, that was actually Bradley Chubb's best year in the league. He had 12 sacks. Uh, 60 combined tackles. He had 14 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, uh, a pass deflection even. So great year for Bradley Chubb in his rookie season. Um, hasn't really reached those heights since then, but last year he made the Pro Bowl. The only other time in his career that he made the Pro Bowl was in 2020 when he played 14 games for the Denver, Denver Broncos who were coached by Vic Fangio. So he had a solid year in 2020. Actually, looking at his his year last year, a lot of people think he had a down year last year. His 2022 season was actually a little bit better than his 2020 season mm -hmm. where he got elected to the Pro Bowl. He had seven and a half sacks in 2020. In 2022, between the Broncos and the Dolphins, he had eight sacks. Uh, he had 42 combined tackles in 2020, only 39 uh, last season. So a slight dip from there. Uh, nine tackles for loss in 2025 last year. So uh, relatively, uh, relatively even stats between 2020 and 2022. Um, but people said he had a down year last year. That that's pretty average Bradley Chubb. But again, he made the pro bowl in 2020. That was under Vic Fangio when, when Fangio was a head coach of the Broncos. I think we're going to see a return to form for Bradley Chubb. And now again, that's with the caveat that he stays healthy. He He's not, a healthy dude. He's missed a lot of time uh, while being in the NFL. So if he can stay healthy, and even Fangio kind of brought that up in, in one of his introductory press conferences when he was with the Dolphins, that he 
knows, he knows, not just he thinks, he knows Bradley Chubb has the potential to be one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, but he's got to stay healthy to realize it. So let's think back on on Bradley Chubb's rookie year, right? Because I've kind of laid it out for you. I've thrown a lot of numbers in your direction. Uh, Hopefully the listeners have been able to keep up. But his rookie year, his best season in the NFL by far, 12 sacks that year. Didn't actually get elected to the Pro Bowl when he had 12 sacks, uh, probably because he was a rookie and not a household name yet. But he had Von Miller opposite him. So everyone's projecting a fantastic year. Some are even saying, I've heard Josh say it a few times now, uh, a defensive player of the year type season for Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips will be on the opposite side of Bradley Chubb. And if Jalen Phillips turns in the type of season that a lot of people are projecting for him, that could open things up for Bradley Chubb. He could be seeing less attention from opposing offenses, opposing offensive linemen, and he may get one-on-one blocking more often than he has in the past. And that could be a key to unlocking his, his potential. I want to say it's hard to say potential for a guy who's been in the league since 2018. You know what I mean? He's going to, he's going to be playing in what his sixth season coming up here. And he has shown some really good tape when he's been healthy. So if he can stay healthy and, and maximize the looks that he's going to get with Jalen Phillips on the other side, not to mention other players like Malik Reed and Andrew Van Ginkle and, and the other Emmanuel Ogba, the other pass rushers on this team who are also accomplished in that regard. If he can stay healthy and, and maximize what he can do opposite those guys, I think you are going to see a big season from Bradley Chubb. I uh, wanted to give a, a shout out to Chris LaRondo on Twitter. He kind of hit us up late last week asking why more podcasts weren't talking about how big of an impact Bradley Chubb could have on the Miami Dolphins defense in 2023. And it really got me thinking about that, you know, periodically throughout the week between then and now. And when we decided on this topic for today, you know, which players will look, look rejuvenated, so to speak, or even just look different under Vic Fangio, Bradley Chubb was, was the first name that popped into my mind. Obviously he has the connection with Fangio playing in Denver when Fangio was the head coach for the Broncos for three seasons, I think Fangio is going to know how to use him and is going to know how to maximize his skill set best because he does have that experience with him, three seasons with him. So I think Chubb should hit the ground running. I think he'll have an impactful year for the Dolphins. What do you guys think about that? How you feel, yeah, Josh? I'm, yeah, I'm with you, man. I think um, before we end this pod on the Vic Fangio front, I want to at least talk about how close he was to not being in Miami because that's still something that just baffles me. But as far as Bradley Chubb being that guy that's going to come in and rejuvenate, you know, underneath Vic Fangio, I think, again, like you mentioned, a lot of it does have to do with his health. I mean, when you pay a guy, what, a five-year extension worth $110 million, you want him to be healthy. So um, I think back to Chris's point, why aren't people talking about him? A lot of fans just kind of look at the stats, right, the sacks and things like that. They don't realize how impactful he was to the rest of that defensive line or how hard of a transition it was for him last season. So I think getting, you know, his former head coach back with him in Miami, Vic Fangio being that guy that can maximize potential. And you mentioned some of those players around him. We didn't even talk about the secondary and what they're going to do for that defensive front up front, allowing them more time to get to the pass rusher. So uh, when you got Jalen Phillips on one side, you got Bradley Chubb on the other. I don't know how you game plan that. And one of my favorite things about Chubb is the way he's staying after practice, helping some of the undrafted guys, being that leader in the locker room, which, you know, you don't need that, I guess, when you make these splashy trades or you sign a guy to a long-term extension. 
but certainly doesn't hurt. And we saw it with Tyree Kill. We're seeing it now with Bradley Chubb. I think Vic Fangio is going to get the most out of him. But like you said, I did like how he tempered his expectations and say, you know, him and Jalen Phillips both have the potential, you know, to be elite pass rushers. But um, I want to see it before I believe it. And Vic Fangio wants to see it before he believes it. So Merrick has provided a lot of really good numbers here. And, you know, he mentioned it 2018 as a rookie, 12 sacks. That's absolutely awesome. Uh, he only played four games in 2019 before making the Pro Bowl in 2020, where he had seven and a half sacks while playing in 14 games. Last year, he was relatively healthy, all things considered, despite uh, suffering a pair of injuries on Christmas Day. He did still play in 16 games. He reached eight sacks. Uh, but looking at these numbers, and it's going to be kind of weird for me to say this out loud the more I think about it, but Bradley Chubb has a standard here of consistency when he can stay on the field that has actually been kind of impressive. You know, you look at that 2018 season, the one set that sticks out to me, quarterback hits 21. In 2020, he was at 19. In 2022, he was at 20. So when Bradley Chubb can stay on the field, he can get to the quarterback. I think that's not really a hard, you know, one plus one equals two to really accomplish with someone like Bradley Chubb. And that's kind of what gets the gears going of, hey, how much can this defense build him up? How much can this defense build up Jalen Phillips to be those sack guys? So, Merrick, do you know what happened in 1989? Name one thing that happened. How about that? (laughs) Okay, one thing in 89, I turned three years old. While you turned three years old on the Minnesota Vikings, Chris Dolman and Keith Millard combined for 39 sacks, two all pros and Miller earned defensive player of the year honors. I wanted to look this up because that's the most sacks by a combo ever at 39. Could you imagine two guys averaging 19 and a half sacks? I'm not saying the dolphins are going to get anywhere near that. I was just curious about, you know, if Bradley Chubb has an outstanding season, let's say 16 sacks, he gets like averages almost a sack game. Do we have a discussion of, is there enough room for Jalen Phillips to get his sacks? Is those opportunities soaked up? Apparently not. If two guys can get 19 and a half, I'm not saying the dolphins are going to reach that point, but where do you guys see that limit being in terms of Bradley Chubb is great. He's going to get his sacks, but there are also going to be plays, maybe even the same play where it's not going to be Nadal Kinsu on one side and, and Cam Wake on the other, where they can just meet for the sack and they both equally deserve it and crumble a quarterback. But sometimes the play is going to be empty for the other one. So where do you guys see that ceiling? Well, and I mean, I think we also have to just recognize the fact that sacks are awesome and, and they do affect the game. Uh, you know, quite strongly, but there are just things that these players do on the field that don't show up on the stat sheet. Uh, I mean, we're talking about in a a Fangio style defense, you know, they're susceptible to the run. Well, they like to play a gap and a half on that defensive line, right? So they're not trying to knife through and beat their guy one-on-one, but they're also not just trying to take up two blockers and just, just kind of stay in one spot and let the running backs run into them. It's kind of like a hybrid, a little bit in between there. Their goal is to bump the opposing running back to the outside where it's easier for the defensive backs to come down and and help make tackles. The Dolphins have defensive backs who like to tackle. Jalen Ramsey, good tackler. Cater Kohu, good tackler. Uh, uh, Brandon Jones coming back. He's a big hitter as well. So if Bradley Chubb is able to do that from from his pass rushing stance, but you know they hand the ball off, he's able to get the, the runner to bump outside, and then somebody like a Jalen Ramsey can come down and make the tackle. That's a plus play for Bradley Chubb, but it's not going to show up on the stat sheet. There's no number that you can quantify how well he played that game you know, with, with a play like that. So 
whether you see it show up in the stat sheet or not, I do think Bradley Chubb is going to have an impactful year. I do think Jalen Phillips is going to have an impactful year. I think Phillips needs to get better at his run stopping if he's going to uh, round out his game, you know, more than just a, a pass rusher. And I think Vic Fangio is the type of guy that's going to allow you to to work on that and get better at that. But as far as both of those guys on the field at the same time, complementing each other, you can't really ask for a better duo than that. And I think you've seen that uh, this offseason when a lot of analysts are, are predicting big things for the Dolphins defense and the Dolphins pass rush and defensive ends and, and outside linebackers in general. When we turn back the clock and we think about what the Dolphins did in 2019 in terms of just kind of restarting, bringing in a bunch of draft picks and, and just rebuilding the roster. When you have a bunch of draft picks for one year, that means you're going to reach a point three, four years down the road where everyone's going to be in a contract year. That one year, I go back to the Andre Branch pyramid scheme, just someone who just falls out, gets a contract. They, they uh, maybe outkick expectations, and all of a sudden they're locked into a contract. Joshua, tell me a little about Raquan Davis, another guy who's entering that final year of his contract, someone who's hoping to get paid and stick around in the NFL for another five, six, seven years. Yeah, before I get on to Raekwon, let me just, one quick thing about Bradley Chubb. I think the thing that frustrated fans a lot was there were so many times when he was almost getting that sack, right? And then the play would be completed downfield or whatever, maybe one step too slow. So um, I'm so excited to see what that front can do. But yeah, Raekwon Davis, man, contract year. We know a lot of players love to ball out in those contract years. And I feel like he fits this system better. He started 42 out of 47 games with the Dolphins since being drafted. Had 33 tackles last year in a sack. Like Merrick said, the Dolphins were traditionally playing a two-gap scheme. Now now they're moving to that one and a half and I do feel like there's that need up front for that big nose tackle he's six foot seven 335 pounds uh played 378 of his 582 snaps last season in the a gap so you know shaded off to one side of the center but if he just goes right up front you know takes on that that center and a guard and allows like Merrick said the play to flow around him let those linebackers and defensive backs to come up and make those stops I think this might be potentially the biggest year that we see out of Raquan Davis because not only do we need have a fit and a need for that big guy up front, I mean, you're going to have Sealer on one side most likely, right, in a 3-4 front playing defensive end. You're going to have Wilkins on the other, and you're going to have just a, a behemoth in the middle in Raquan Davis. So um, we, I don't think we really quite ever saw him live up to that potential where we all remember, you know, uh, Brian Flores getting so excited. I think his kids were like high-fiving him and shit once they drafted him. I mean, this was a guy that you see the pictures of him. He just looks like he could just – Everyone looks like Jakeem Grant next to him. So I'm excited to see what he can do in this defense. And I think, again, the fit is, um, you know, perfect for what Vic Fangio is going to ask of those guys up front. And when you look at the roster, again, I just don't know who else you have that can fill that role that Raquan Davis does. So um, he's a guy that I think from last year, he was a solid player, rotational a bit. Um, but I think that's going to, you know, he's going to go to immense heights now in Vic Fangio's defense. And I'm excited to see what he does. But like you mentioned, man, these guys are all going to need to get paid. And I, I don't know. I I don't know where you how you pay these guys, right? Christian Wilkins, Zach Steeler, Raekwon Davis, if he balls out. That's a lot of guys in that defensive front that, you know, has looked very good over the last few years that you want to try to keep together, but I just don't think you can. Well, I mean, Tyree Kill will chip in 200 bucks a piece. <laughs> I was going to ask if they could find Kendall Ling for its earring, maybe sell that off for a, for a Raekwon Davis. Paul Solei. <laughs> Merrick, I, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this because I think when we look at the de this defense, this defensive line, Christian Wilkins is the stud. He's the one you instantly turn your eyes to. When you're watching the film, your eyes, you instantly see the impact he has. Um, Christian Wilkins seems like that disruptive force in the middle. How would him being a disruptive force in a 4-3 
differ from someone like Raquan Davis, who Josh mentioned is much bigger, being disruptive as a nose tackle in a 3-4. So the thing about Christian Wilkins, man, he is a freak, right? Like, yeah, he was he was penetrating the gaps last season, like just quick, first step, just right through. But he was actually getting to the ball carry, you know what I mean? A lot of times when you have a defensive tackle that gets through the line that quickly, it's actually – it can be a detriment to your defense and it can open up running lanes. But that wasn't the case for Wilkins. When he was getting through the line quickly, he was actually getting to the ball carrier and tackling them almost as soon as they were taking the handoff, which was which was wild. So I don't think we have to worry about Christian Wilkins in this scheme. I think Christian Wilkins – uh, is uh, a chameleon. He can adapt to any scheme that you throw in front of him. I think he's just a damn good quality football player. And again, we're going to sit here and say, pay the man, pay the man, pay the man until they actually pay the man. But like, man, seriously, what's going on here? Let's get this deal done so we can move on to some others. Raekwon Davis, as Josh mentioned last year of his contract as well, he's looking to get paid. Will it be by Miami, I'm not sure. He's going to have to prove that he can be that uh, that nose tackle that Josh is hoping he can be, that Vic Fangio is hoping he can be. Uh, great minds think alike there, Houts and Fangio. Um, but uh, I think he, he certainly has the build to do it, doesn't he? Six foot seven, three hundred and thirty something pounds there, three hundred fifty pounds, whatever it was. Like that, that's a big boy. That's a big boy in any sport, in any walk of life, you see that man walking at you and your butthole tightens immediately because, because that's a scary sight. And uh, hopefully he can, he can get centers thinking the same thing next season. Uh, I do. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, Josh. I do think this will end up being Raekwon Davis's best year uh, as a member of the Miami Dolphins in the national football league. And again, you probably won't see a lot of it on the stat sheet, but what he brings or what he will bring to that defense as that big boy nose tackle, it should be invaluable. It really should. I, I got to ask quick, is that butthole tightening a segue to Christian Wilkins? Because we all saw that video of him in college, right, where he literally like stuck his fingers up the dude's crack. I don't know if that was your segue. <laughs> he, he, has a, he has a history of doing some weird things at the bottom of those piles, doesn't he? Christian Wilkins, well, we're going to call it like we see it. He's a tone setter. He's nothing more. He's nothing less. He's what we call a tone setter. Uh, we're actually about to talk to Christian Wilkins and Josh, you nailed that. I do want to ask you one thing, though, because Merrick brought up with the outside linebackers the idea of the point of this Vangio defense isn't to really blow past your assignment and get into the backfield. It's to kind of let a play play out. If it means that a running back is going to bounce by you, it just means the next guy is going to get you. Do you feel like playing in that Josh Boyer 4-3 defense hurt Raquan Davis it kind of made him less impactful for him just to have one guy on him because you know if you have five guys coming at the quarterback you need five guys blocking so when you have just one-on-one -on -one with Raquan Davis is he able to do what you want him to do yeah, I, th I think it did hold him back a little bit, and I think that's what's so exciting to see because, I mean, like Merrick said, your, your butthole tightens when he comes in that room because he's just such a behemoth, and to think that he's going to take on a center and a guard most likely, you know, in every play and then let the rest of the things happen in front. I mean, uh, yeah, I think Josh Boyer's defense did hold him back a bit because you were using those rotational pieces up front. You had, what, uh, Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins as those defensive tackles and the ends, things like that. So, yeah, I think this is the right scheme for him, and, um, I guess the question I'm eventually going to propose and maybe we do it on another pod is, you know, if Raquan Davis balls out, do you pay him and Zach Sealer the same salary? Cause I mean, I don't, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, how much is Christian Wilkins going to get paid? Could you get Zach Sealer and Raquan Davis for the same price as a Christian Wilkins? And if Raquan Davis does, you know, exceed expectations, is that something that you would even consider with how important Christian Wilkins is? Oh, that's scary. 
Dude, that is such a hard problem to digest. And that let's just bring pod. up Christian. It can be a whole that, pod. It really can, man, because I started watching Christian Wilkins' film, and I was under the impression that Miami's run defense has never been fantastic. They've never been the stout defensive front. And I don't think they necessarily were last year, despite the fact I think they were sixth in rushing yards. I, I'd love to argue that I think they were allowed the sixth fewest rushing yards just because I think opposing offenses knew um, – you could call their bluff in terms of passing the football, in terms of scheming them up and, and making sure guys are open down the field. But Christian Wilkins, man, was flat out awesome when it came to stopping the run. And, and for some reason in my head since I got here, I thought he was more of a uh, pass defense first defensive tackle, but that is not the case. Not only is he Miami's trash talker, uh, hype man on defense, he led all defensive tackles in tackles with 98, run stops in 55, and run stop win rate he is the only tackle in the last decade to register 90 tackles his 2021 total of 89 tackles nine less than he had last year was the most by a defensive tackle since 2013 this dude has been the model of consistency he had 15 at least more tackles than the next closest defensive tackle and i want to ask you guys just to start you think of these I don't even want to say bloated because I don't think that that kind of discredits it, but these numbers are so insane. And you consider that Wilkins is 15 tackles above other defensive tackles. I want to ask you guys simply put, when you think back to the season, does scheme have something to do that with that? That can't just be talent. There are a lot of very good defensive tackles in the league. Is it simply that easy to say, Hey, Christian Wilkins is better. And he had, that's why he had 15 tackles more than anyone else at his position. I have a hard time kind of just thinking that too. I don't know. Did Raekwon Davis have those numbers? Fair point. <laughs> and, and, you know, but but to your point, Zach Sealer also was a monster in that defense. And, you know, I think you can – it's a cop-out answer, but it's a little bit of both, right? The, the scheme fit him well, but he was a, a great fit for the scheme. And I just think Christian Wilkins is going to be a great fit for any scheme, and that's why he's going to command $20 million a season – they probably should have got in on this a little bit early and, and extended him before last season. And maybe you could have got him at 15, 16 million a year. But now all these defensive tackles are getting paid and 20 million a year is like, like bare minimum what Christian Wilkins is going to get. So, uh, I mean, it, it's time to put up or shut up. If you want to keep him in Miami, you got to do it. And it's not just what he brings to you on the field. It's, it's the locker room leadership. It's just the mm -hmm. energy he brings to that team. When the offense scores, he's somehow the first guy in the end zone, despite the fact that he, he's not on the field for offensive touchdowns 99.9% .9 of time. And he's out here jumping on Preston Williams and breaking his foot and everything, you know, that it's, it's collateral damage. Really. We're, we're okay with that, but uh, I, he's, he means so much to the team on the field and off the field that it would just be a shame if they didn't resign him and bring him back in Miami. I think that would leave a sour taste in a lot of the fans mouths, but also a lot of his teammates mouths as well. Yeah, I was going to cop out too, like Merrick did. I, I was going to say it's probably a little bit of both, and I think a lot of it does have to do with that supporting cast next to him. Zach Sealer, you know, you got, like we mentioned, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips. That defensive line has a lot of playmakers on it, and I do think Christian Wilkins is just a baller that no matter what happens, you know, he, the dude can play offense, right? He can catch touchdown passes. He can break out the worm if he has to. He can do a little bit of everything, and I do think, you know, they have to lock him up. I have no idea why they did, why they waited, why they didn't get ahead of some of these other defensive tackles. You know, the market's just skyrocketing 
happening now, and you have to pay him because, like you mentioned, it's going to leave a sour taste in the entire locker room because you traded for a Bradley Chubb, immediately paid him. You traded for Tyree Kill, different position, but you immediately paid him. You know, there's so many different guys that they need to sign long term. If you let a Christian Wilkins walk, that's going to it's going to affect the locker room and it's going to affect that run game, the pass rush, everything. So, um, yeah, man, lock that man up, pay the man. We'll say it like we always do, but Christian Wilkins is a stud. And I don't know that many dolphin fans were super stoked when that draft pick happened, other than when he almost took Roger Goodell out. I think we mentioned that on a different pod, but, um, I think we all absolutely love Christian Wilkins and the team has, you know, rallied around him time and time again. I do think Preston Williams career, yo, would have been much different. If it wasn't <laughs> I'm just going to say that because I was so uh, hyped on him, but yeah, he, he was not good. We were looking for things to get hyped on back then though. Those were slim pickings as Dolphins fans. We didn't have a lot to cheer Crazy for. Crazy how much different this team is now. I mean, the it's Isaiah Ford days and Preston Williams days and even Lynn, Lynn Bowden. Bowden. Yeah, uh, there it Perry. is. Yeah. Yeah. The list. And, and see, it's great because we got to follow the Roberto Wallace. Uh, who was the uh, Marlon Moore? We got to follow that era with this era, which is always a pleasure, but I always go back to the Tyree kill pro- podcast recently. I think it was with Bradley Chubb when he's talking about how the dolphins have done such a great job of building in the right direction. And when you look at patient zero, the original start of building in the right direction after that brutal 2018 season is you draft Christian Wilkins, and he's been an absolute stud ever since. And when I talk about this stuff, I, and when I say how things might be different, it definitely shouldn't be taken in the light of, hey, he's not a good player, because I think we've all made it clear he needs to be paid. But I want to ask you guys, I mean, when you look at what he did last year, I think a lot of it did have to do with the fact that he was given the opportunity to blow by assignments. If you turn on film, most of the time he's double covered. Christian Wilkins is double covered by a center and a guard nearly every snap. But when he isn't, he knows right away, and whether it's a chop block, whether it's just kind of pushing a guy out of his way, he is so great at disengaging and getting into the open field, and as a result, that's how he got those run stops. But is there a way or a path that maybe the Miami Dolphins aren't doing this for maybe one of two reasons or haven't made the contract? Yeah, one, those those tackle numbers have to come down in the new defense. There's, there's no doubt in my mind it's going to be a little smaller than 98 tackles. He is not going to get that close again in the defense. It's a little more conservative and lets the offense uh, kind of play into their um, issues instead of going and just kind of mess them up type of thing. But also I want to ask you guys, he has just 11 and a half sacks in his career, just 3.5 sacks last year. Does Christian Wilkins need to be a better pass rusher, do we feel? Will he be a better pass rusher in this Dolphins uh, defense under Fangio? Especially when you consider, I mean, if we want to pay him like a top defensive tackle, let's look at Chris Jones. He had 15 and a half sacks last season. I'm not saying he has to do that, but let's say if Wilkins reached that seven sack number, do you feel a deal might have already been done by now? Yeah, it's possible. It's possible, but maybe, and again, are we – it might be tinfoil hat time here. Do you think the Dolphins are, are hesitant to give out some of these uh, some of these extensions right now until they figure out what they're going to do with Tua? That's do also think, very possible. Yeah. Do you think they just they want to give Tua this year to see? Okay, can he stay healthy? Last year he proved that when he was healthy, he could be an upper echelon quarterback in the league, especially under Mike McDaniel in this offensive scheme. Do you think that they're like, all right, we he, when he plays, he's really good? But he's been injured every year. If he can get through a season uninjured and he can prove that, you know, putting on the extra weight and doing the jujitsu and all that stuff, that can keep him healthy. 
And if he can prove that, then they can extend him. And actually extending him is going to uh, give the Dolphins a little bit more cap freedom and, and cap space for next year. Maybe not the years beyond that, but you can structure deals, front load them a little bit for guys like Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. Maybe even a Raekwon Davis, like we talked about, if he plays well. Maybe you can keep the whole band together if Tua balls out and you give him that extension, you know, because – whether you like it or not, and I know people get tired of the Tua talk and the quarterback talk in general, the quarterback is the most important position on any given football team. He stirs the drink. He's the straw that stirs the drink. So if you know you have your franchise guy and you can plan, you know, he's the one constant in your budget, you know what I mean? He's your mortgage payment. He's the most expensive thing that you're paying for every month. You know, every year your quarterback's going to be your most expensive player if you have the franchise guy and then you can build the rest of the roster out from that right now they're already paying Tyreek Hill 30 million a year so he's your quarterback contract essentially and they're building the roster out from that but if you also have to pay your quarterback 35 40 45 million dollars a year now we really got to make a lot of business decisions so maybe they're waiting again tinfoil hat conspiracy theory maybe they're waiting to see how Tua plays this year, and then they can get his deal done. And once his deal's done and they know how that's structured out, they can fit the rest of these guys in under the cap and structure their deals accordingly to make sure that their numbers are right. I don't know. Just popped into my head. It does seem like waiting kind of hurts, though, in in scenarios like this. I mean, let's say you get into a situation where uh, Tua balls out, and this is a topic for another day. We're already at a half an hour, but – um, I don't think even Tua plays all 17 games. I don't think there's any way he's pushing for top five quarterback money. I just don't think that's happening. I think it'd be another almost not prove it deal, but I still think he might be like in that top 10 range. I don't know if he'd necessarily be like a through the roof type deal for the quarterback. Uh, but we just saw what happens when you have to pay a, a quarterback top tier money. You get two first round picks for Tyree kill. You would not get that for Christian Wilkins. No chance in hell, but you would be able to get something for him you would be able to trade him away and get something back. And if you, like we said before, if you traded him last year, I think that only, or excuse me, if you extended him last year, got him on a better contract, that only helps keep him around longer. I think the longer you wait, the easier it is to get rid of them. And I think that's going to be an issue for the Dolphins. But I'm very excited to see what Christian Wilkins looks like. Such a disruptive, such an awesome guy to have on this team. I'm interested to see what you do when you bring in such an established defensive coordinator and let him work his magic. Real quick, before we leave, just a little trivia question. Do you guys know the last time a Vic Fangio-led defense, either as head coach or defensive coordinator, the last time his team ranked in the bottom half of the league for passing yards allowed? Just give me a year. 2006. Josh? Never. (laughs) <laughs> really close jake it was actually 2005 when he was defensive coordinator for the houston texans that is the last time that a vic fangio led defense ranked in the bottom half of the league in passing yards allowed this is a, a, a bend but don't break defense they're daring you to run the ball and at the very least they're not going to let you get those deep passes uh behind you and and who loves to throw deep aaron Rodgers loves to throw deep who loves to throw deep Josh Allen loves to throw deep. Will Mac these Mac Jones can't. Will these quarterbacks be patient enough against a Vic Fangio-led defense to just dink and dunk down the field and take their chances that way? Or is Aaron Rodgers going to be Aaron Rodgers and who he has been his entire career and take those deep shots because he likes to gamble like that? And if he does do that, well, now you got Javon Holland back there who, who's 
going to make you pay for that. You got Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard. It's exciting. This, I mean, you're right. You guys are right. Vic Fangio as the leader of this defense should turn things around uh, quite a bit. And it's just an exciting time to be a fan of this team and a fan of this defense in particular. Switching to the secondary, actually not the secondary. Let's just say, let's just say outside of the defensive line, Joshua, I want to start with you here. Uh, does switching to a zone scheme hurt or help Miami's players? What you got for me? I think it helps them a little bit. I know that we've been accustomed to the whole zo- uh, man coverage, you know, Xavier Howard excels, you know, we saw Cater Kohu excel. We see that they can already do that, but I think it was Xavier Howard or someone to mention, you know, playing zone, you can kind of just watch the quarterback and, you know, see and react to that stuff. And that's the, what I think, um, you know, Vic Fangio is going to bring so much more zone coverage than what we've become accustomed to. They're not going to put these guys out there on islands. You know, it's going to, um, I think it'll help for sure. So I thought that quote from Xavier Howard, I wish I would have wrote it down because I wasn't prepared for that, but yeah, I think it'll help them and, you know, take them off that Island that they were on in a uh, Josh Boyer defense, you know, running the engage eight cover zero look and just putting them out there on an Island and allow them to work in unison. And uh, again, we talked about the pass rush getting there. They're going to force these quarterbacks to make a ton of mistakes. And I just don't know how you're sitting back there trying to pick between who I'm throwing at Xavier Howard or Jalen Rams. And I think that's why I said on another pod that I think Xavier Howard, you might could potentially be you no know, defensive player of the year or lead the team in interceptions because everyone's going to be so scared of that other side. So I think it'll help the entire defense. And um, yeah, that's my answer. What is a uh, Brandon Jones an Island boy? Do you feel? Brandon Jones, an Island boy. Do you want me to start talking about Brandon Jones? Because uh, is, that, is that your way? Nah, I led I, you I, up for nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, um, Brett, I don't know if he's an Island boy. I think he, well, his role is going to be a lot more is that, um, you know, chess piece. And I, yeah, that's just so cliche, right? We talk about thunder and lightning with our running backs. I love to call these defensive players chess pieces and talk about their versatility. But um, in previous years, you know, especially when he went down, we saw Javon Holland playing a lot of that single high safety we know that Vic Fangio's defense relies on at least two, if not three, safeties. Um, one battle to watch throughout camp is going to be Deshaun Elliott versus former teammate uh, Brandon Jones. I, I think the biggest thing here is whether or not Brandon Jones is going to be fully recovered from that ACL to be able to be an impact playmaker that we've seen before. But for me, I just picture him and Deshaun Elliott kind of being interchangeable, but most importantly, seeing uh, Brandon Jones drop down into the box like we saw so many times before and to be an imp, uh, you know, affect the run game and also come off the edges of Blitzer because that was one of the things he did uh, best. They even asked uh, Javon Holland how he felt getting him back. And he said, it feels great. I'm very excited for him. Brandon is a big piece of our defense, a close friend of mine. I'm happy he's healthy and in good spirits and working hard. He had eight sacks in his first three seasons, 13 quarterback hits. And again, I mean, we saw him coming off the edge, making those pressures, doing things like that. If you're Vic Fangio, man, you got Javon Holland, you got Cater Coho, you got Xavier Howard, you got Jalen Ramsey, you got Deshaun Elliott, you got Cam Smith, a, a second round pick. And then you just kind of move Brandon Jones around and have him help in that, you know, the middle of that defense. We talk about how weak that linebacker core is, you know, besides maybe Jerome Baker. We know David Long doesn't even have a hamstring that works properly. Um, Letting Brandon Jones roam around and come off the edge and impact the run game is how I see him best fit. So not the greatest cover uh, safety on the Dolphins roster. I think that might be more Deshaun Elliott's role, you know, dropping back in coverage. But I'm excited to see the way Brandon Jones can maneuver around. I just hope that that ACL is, you know, he's fully recovered from that because he was one of those difference makers on this defense and a guy that gets so overlooked when you're sitting there seeing the graphics on Twitter. You know, you don't even see Brandon Jones' name on any of those graphics, right? And he's, I think he even quotes me, like, what the hell, man? Everyone's forgetting about me, and I don't think they should be. 
Josh, I want to ask you real quick, though, um, when you consider what he did in the Boyer offense, I think the Boyer, excuse me, defense, I think the Boyer defense just meant that everyone was a chess piece and none of the chess pieces had any rules. It was like playing four square when you got to the king corner and you just literally made up all the fakest rules ever and just kind of rolled with them. Um, What does this transition to a zone heavy scheme do for someone like Brandon Jones, who really relied on those uh, man covered situations to have so much success? I hope he gets better. I mean, again, Brandon Jones, one of the weaknesses I think, though, is his coverage ability. So being able to play zone, do a little bit more things like that, you know, see where he needs to be in the the defense and just kind of hang out. I think it'll help him a lot. Um, And I do think that, you know, when you go from a man to his own coverage, that's where Brandon Jones is going to truly, you know, take that next step. And I think he might be in a contract here. I should have looked that up before I was getting ready to talk about him. But that might be another guy that, you know, is going to have to get paid sooner than later. And, um I just don't know how you can pay all these guys, right? Yeah, no, there's no way. It's going to be so hard to <laughs> pay all these guys. There's, I, I'm not even going to look at an Excel spreadsheet that even would try. Uh, but, but Merrick, how about, how about we kind of transition a little bit here? What do you feel the secondary as a whole? How are they going to kind of mesh things around, especially when you consider someone like Brandon Jones who thrives in the box, and then you have someone like Cater Kohu, for being such a great coverage corner, and I don't want this to come off as a, being a negative, but I think if he has a weakness, I think him he does kind of get washed out in the running game sometimes. So how do they kind of balance those two sides? Yeah, he's he's certainly going to have to step up his game um, as far as his tackling goes. You know, he made some good plays. He did, but, you know, undrafted rookie, right? He's He's not going to be the best at everything. So he has room to improve in that department for sure. Uh, on I Am Athlete, uh, Earlier this week or, or or last week, depending on when this episode airs, uh, Teron Armstead was actually on, uh, not with Brandon Marshall, but with a couple of Brandon Marshall's uh, newer people on that show. And he was being interviewed. One of the questions he was asked uh, was which under-the-radar players are going to take a step forward and, and have big seasons for the Dolphins this upcoming year. And one of the players he mentioned was Cater Kohu. Uh, he says that Cater Kohu uh, is probably going to play in the slot more because of the addition uh, of Jalen Ramsey, but he does list Cater and Jalen as, as kind of interchangeable pieces. And I think that's a common theme for this defense. Josh mentioned it. There's a lot of good players on this defense. A lot of players that you can play in multiple different spots. You know, we're already talking about Trill Williams, a guy who who's coming off of injury as well, moving him to safety because there's no more room in the cornerback room anymore. After acquiring Jalen Ramsey, after Cater Kohu's breakout year, after drafting Cam Smith with their first pick uh, in the second round this year, they had to move Trill who, who was a promising player, had a great training camp. According to all reports, they're, they're trying him at safety for this upcoming season. Or at the very least, cross-training him. Uh, There's a lot of good players on this team, a lot of good defensive backs on this team, and they should be able to slide in and and play different spots, which is great for a team that's going to be playing in that hot South Florida sun for a majority of their games next season. To me, it's going to be so interesting to see how Vic Fangio tries to dictate opposing offenses because I think of scenarios where, um, you know, an opposing offense lines up up at – Uh, to snap the ball and all of a sudden you see the defense and you decide, all right, we want to run the football. So we want Cater Kohu to move inside. So all of a sudden you start motioning, maybe your top wide receiver, because that's who the Dolphins put Kohu on. You motion him inside to be a blocker 
all of a sudden Kohu doesn't go inside instead of Jalen Ramsey already inside. I'm so interested to see how this Dolphins defense really starts to funnel things. And and Josh, tell me a little bit about how you feel someone like Kohu, someone like Jones can kind of dictate what the Dolphins do with the guys having strengths like Jalen Ramsey and Brandon Jones to be those in the box tacklers. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so stoked on Cater Coho. I mean, I think we kind of were maybe the first people that nicknamed him Darth Cater, right? I mean, that no, thing's that was sticking. He absolutely, he, he seems he had no idea what Star Wars was, and he's kind of embracing it. But I, I think the versatility is what you got to love. I mean, Merrick mentioned it. Jalen Ramsey, you mentioned it. They can come in and play nickel, but they can also play on the outside. Cater Coho looked pretty decent on the outside last year. So for him to find a home now, most likely anyway, right? They're going to have position battles. Nick Needham's coming back from an injury. We know he was a pretty good slot corner so there will be a battle there but I think having those three corners you know Jalen Ramsey Xavier Howard and then Cater Coe in the middle are at nickel is going to be a, a world changer and I, I do think his biggest thing last year was he was a little bit handsy right I mean there were some crucial penalties that he had ended up having I think the Buffalo game was the one that really stood out which was probably a bullshit call but um, he, he comes down he's not scared to hit he's not scared to tackle and he made a lot of plays you know pretty much running through defend uh, blocks and things like that so I'm intrigued to see how he fits in this Vic Fangio's defense and again like you mentioned how they're all utilized because there are just so many guys that can do a little bit of everything even Cam Smith right he can play on the outside he could play a little bit of nickel if he was asked Javon Holland played a lot of nickel his last season in college before he was drafted so there's just so many options for Vic Fangio and I think that's why you got to be so excited about his arrival here is because not only is he that head coach of the defense his scheme and just all the chess pieces he now has it has to be one of the most talented defenses if not the most talented one that he's ever had at his disposal so to think about that on top of what Mike McDaniel already is doing offensively I get goosebumps my my nips get a little hard and um Cater Kohu Brandon Jones I guess the only question I have is who's going to cover tight ends without Eric Rowe around I mean that's the one thing I want to see throughout camp I joked about when they play Atlanta who's going to cover Kyle Pitts because we do have a need for that because that was at least one of the great things about Eric Rowe is he was uh, I think someone quote called him the tight end eraser right so um who's gonna fill that role can brandon jones do that you know can deshaun elliott are you gonna have javon holland do it who we saw do it a little bit last year uh, i guess that's the only question i have about that secondary but yes i'm stoked for those guys maybe they'll sign Deion jordan to cover tight ends yes he did cover Megatron once. I have a gift of that. Uh, he broke up a pass. <laughs> oh, man, Derek, I know you're on Twitter for that whole thing, but but being in the center of it in terms of Deion Jordan and pass coverage was a very, very dark time for Dolphins Twitter. Yes. Uh, very, very dark time. Uh, guys, let's wrap this little segment up real quick with one final question. Let's go rapid fire. Let's say everybody's healthy. Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard are obviously 1A. Uh, 1B, who finishes on the Miami Dolphins with the third most snaps at cornerback and the fourth most? I'd like to get both. Uh, I will go with Kohu third most, and I will go with Cam Smith as fourth most. Um, Interesting enough, I think the addition of Cam Smith might signify this being Xavier Howard's last year in Miami. I I just have a feeling. I have a weird weird feeling he he's expensive you can save a little bit against the cap if you let him go now you'll have dead cap hits in 2024 and 2025 uh but again we're trying to figure out where we're going to get this money to pay all these people well that's a way you could do it if cam smith progresses uh and shows you know some promise in this defense this upcoming season i think you might be bidding farewell to Xavier howard uh in the aqua and orange after this year which means he'll be a Patriot in 2024. 
Yeah, what a downer. He's going to come back with his healed up hamstrings and ball out, right? We talked about him leading the team. I said interceptions and all that. Of course, they'd get rid of him after that. You pretty much took my answer, but just to be different, I'll go with Cater Kohu third, and then uh, we'll go with Nick Needham. I, I don't know how his rehab's going. I think he's doing well. And again, I thought he was a crucial piece of that defense, and he does have versatility. I mentioned him being a, a slot guy, but he played on the outside too, opposite of Xavier Howard when he had to. So just to be different, I'll go with that, but I'm hoping it's Cam Smith because they invested the draft pick in him. If he can come in and, you know, get get on the field that early, I mean, that says a lot about his work ethic, and he has two of the best teachers on the outside. So um, what about you, Jake? Who do you got? I got to ask, so you look at what the Dolphins did last year, and we don't have a, a long uh, track record in terms of the Dolphins drafting guys under Mike McDaniel and where they play. Unless they're a seventh-round quarterback, then they're getting thrown right into the fire. Do we see a scenario where Cam Smith might kind of be held back back a little bit is there any way that's a possibility or is it because the fact you can have four cornerbacks on the field at the same time that just by the the process of elimination he's one of the top four cornerbacks could there be a scenario where it doesn't matter how talented he might be they hold him back like they did a Tyndall or Ezukoma or was that kind of more situational and cornerback there's instantly more opportunities because there's more of them on the field I think in the Fangio defense like you said there are a lot of a lot of defensive backs on the field in general, like in a lot of his different coverages, it's defensive back heavy. So I think you're Mm going to see a lot of snaps for all these guys. You know, you got a couple safeties, safeties out there. You're going to rotate in and out with guys like Kohu and Cam Smith. And uh, you know, like Josh mentioned, Nick Needham. I think all these guys are going to get plenty of playing time, you know, and, and I think that'd be a great problem to have is how do we find enough snaps for all of our badass defensive backs? I, I hope that's the case. And I hope we're not, you know, having a redo of last year where everybody just gets injured like every third play. And then we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. For real. I think I'm going to go with, um, I'll, I'll go, I'll go Kohu three just because he's as healthy as can be entering camp. And I I do kind of want to say Nick Needham fourth, just because he has that experience. I think they're comfortable with him being in the slot. Um, and it can easily, very easily be Cam Smith. But until the Dolphins start playing their rookies consistently and trust them, um, I'm going to hold back on that just to kind of see what happens there. That might be a cop out, but hey, it's my podcast and I'll cry if I want to. <laughs> what about Igbenogany? No one said Igbenogany. Shame on us. Xavier <laughs> uh, Howard did say he's uh, he's another guy turning in the right direction. Every every year they say that, right? I, I do think you might be onto something though. There, Jake, him being a, uh, Cam Smith was almost kind of like a luxury pick, right? Like best player available. You have all these defensive backs. If they really wanted to hold him back, Ezukoma style, Channing Tindall. I mean, he might just be more. He's not that good, but I'm I'm not gonna believe that until until that's confirmed. But yeah, anything could happen. I just hope Nick Needham comes back and he's healthy because he was a pretty solid defensive back when he was, and those injuries are hard to overcome. Feisty cornerback. That that's what we'll call Feisty. Nick Needham. He always had a, a specific tone to him, and not necessarily just a hard hit, but you knew every time he got up, he was gonna be jacked up, ready to make another play. Gentlemen. This has been an absolute blast. I thank you both for joining me. I thank everyone for listening to another Dolphins podcast. This is something I should have explained at the top, but if you haven't noticed already, we are releasing a full show and also a little couple segments underneath the show. So first and foremost, you'll hear this stuff on the show, but we always have one segment that will be right under the show that is going to be strictly unique. So we hope you check those out so you're not repeating or uh, I guess listening to us talk in circles more than we already do. So... For another Dolphins podcast, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, fins up. Fins up. Fins up. Fins up.